Okay, welcome back to another episode of the Break It Down for Bragans podcast. Today we are talking about the foot race Ragnar, and we're talking about a classification of Ragnar, which is a relay race um, called the Immortal, to gain immortal status within the Ragnar network, you have to complete at least 12 relays across the country in one calendar year, or in the calendar year, rather. And today we have Sue. Sue completed her first um, immortal in 2019, and she's on an immortal, immortal journey here in 2021, because everybody got shut down in 2020. So welcome to the podcast, Sue. Thanks for being on. Thank you, Kevin. Great. So, did I describe the race or the immortal classification accurately? Uh, pretty much, yes. It's 12 in a calendar year, January to December. And um, like you said, 2020 got pretty much shut down. There were essentially two races that year. Um, both on the same date, one in West Coast and one in East Coast. And those were the only two because of the COVID year. And, and you've decided to go go after Immortal twice. Let's 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 <laughs> jump back to 2019. What was the motivation? Like what what gave you the drive to do that many races in a year? So essentially 2019, um, I had only done one Ragnar, which was 2018. I had done Alify, which was the last Ragnar of the year. And I did that by jumping on a team as a last minute um, basic uh, filler. And that was because we had somebody hurt and I had not really heard too much about Ragnar, but one of my friends at the time and she was all about Ragnar and she had told me about this race and there was, like I said, somebody that got hurt and they called me on Wednesday night and was on a group of teams I was on, essentially immortal that year. And it was kind of interesting and I, I liked it. And 2019, as I started running Ragnars, um, I would just occasionally jump on a team here and there. And partway through the year, they were like, Sue, you're going to have like seven, eight. You might as well immortal. So I decided immortal. I think. So you just started, just started jumping on teams because yeah. it was fun the first time. And you're yeah. like, well, oh, someone's going to Georgia. I'll go to Georgia. Somebody's going to New England. I go to New England. Right. What, what, um, what do you do professionally that gives you the freedom to, because if you don't realize or if you don't know, a Ragnar usually starts on a Thursday night. You camp out or you plan to run very early Friday morning. So for trail, typically you camp out in the trail location the night before the start of the race for a Friday morning start. And start could be between 5 a.m. or 9 a.m. for the first teams going out. But then yes. you race all day on Friday and then most of the day on Saturday um, that compiled with travel time what do you do for a living that allows you that kind of freedom so essentially I work for um, Department of Veteran Affairs 
and I do have some really good supervisors and I have since I started in 2019, I've had essentially the same supervisor and manager and my manager is a, um, he's a, like a mountain biker and he has actually raced in, um, Alifaya and won some kind of state championship. So he's very supportive. And then my supervisor kind of is stuck between like me, who's uh, into this running, like, you know, I do, I do, I do one marathon a year, but I do like, right. I got into Ragnar's and everything. So she kind of is like, oh, I can't really say no. Cause here's the manager, like really encouraging me. Um, and it's essentially a Thursday to Sunday type deal. So you take off like a Thursday and Friday. And um, we, like, I am one of those who has the most amount of time um, that you can accrual in a year. Cause I've been there, I've been a federal employee for a long time. So um, as long as I have the time and if I plan most of the time and um, just take my Thursday through for Thursday and Friday, it's not really a big deal. Well, that's good. I, I'm lucky that I own my own business and that I am able to just, I hire good, good bosses on to run the crews. So work can get done on the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday that I have to not be there to manage or whatever. So I'm, I'm lucky in that respect as well. And being the owner, I could just close the doors if I wanted to for a weekend. But um, so what was the driver? Just so it was just, I mean, I know I'm, I'm, in my, I'm in my first immortal attempt right now. And I'm at unofficially number, I'm in the 10, 11 phase. Because like I said, some of the races from 2020 counted. But if we don't count those, you and I are both registered for 12 races to get officially 12 races done. Um, but to somebody who's listening to this, who has no idea the scope, I mean, basically, the first half of the season is crammed into early April to late June. Then there's like a random one in July, maybe. And then the end of August, all the way through the end of October, it's this race, 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 race. So it's not like you're doing one a month. You're doing two a month sometimes or three a month. Um, when you hit number six and number seven and number eight, did you feel that fatigue of travel? Yes, you kind of, so in my 2019 year, essentially, because like I said, I run like a marathon a year and I'll do halves, I'll do other events. And because I jumped on so late in trying to do Immortal, um, and I kind of did the same this year, from, I came home like Labor Day, and then I basically was gone from the weekend after Labor Day until, um, like after the first week in November, I was gone every weekend. Um, and it, it, yeah. And that, cause that included like a marathon in there and, and stuff. And it does get kind of draining, but at the same time, it's almost like accelerate, you know, um, exhilarating because you're like constant, like you get to the point where it's just like, you come in, you throw your laundry in. And at that point I had trail road, trail road which you have some gear that's the same and some gear that's not. So it was just like, okay, switch this out, repack this, 
um, you know, and that was the back and forth. But um, to me, it's it's more about like the excitement, like the fun you're gonna have. And I mean, you do have a lot of fun. I mean, I'm not gonna say everything's like a bowl of cherries because <laughs> there is drama, but it, it's it's more the people you get to meet. You get to meet tons of people. To me, I call it kind of a a family cult <laughs> because it is like you're joining a cult. <laughs> But the people you meet are just amazing. Yeah, I almost call it like Ragnar magic, right? When, <laughs> when things are hitting on all cylinders and the teams you join, I don't know about you, but a lot of my races, I've been what I call a mercenary. I'm a hired gun. I just show up by myself. Mm -hmm. I did that in Michigan. I did that in Northwest Passage. Um, I did it in Atlanta mostly. And it, it's weird because you just roll up with your ability to run and you, you, you like I, I had done, I guess, 15 or 16 Ragnars before I even attempted immortal. So I kind of knew the method of each sort of race. Um, but it's, it's the friends you make and the, the trial by fire, you know, you just went and ran 200 miles or so, or you just went and ran the 120 miles or whatever that the, that the trail is. I, I get that. How many times did you join a team where you didn't know anybody on the team? I'd say at least half. Really? Um, so you just rolled so up I, out of the airport, met people, and you're like, hey, I'm Sue. Yeah, so even this one I'm doing this weekend, um, I know one guy on my entire team because I met him when I joined a team I didn't know anybody on in 2019. And he's the only one I know at this time. And it's like last weekend when I ran in Kentucky Bourbon Chase, I knew the captain. And that's only because that was like a last minute decision again. So um, this year, I've known maybe one or two people occasionally when I've joined the teams only because of they've been people that I've maybe met in the past or ran a race. And sometimes it's not that I've been on their team. They have may have been in a team and I've met them through um, like people on my team or other teams that I've acquainted with. Right. So again, for the perspective of somebody who doesn't know what Ragnar is or never run one, um, I think to, to try to explain the anxiety of bringing eight people for trail, 12 people for road, that many different teammates plus a volunteer maybe a driver if you have to have drivers for road there's so many moving parts that the, it's the anxiety to get the team registered and people paid up and all the expenses covered you almost like you recruit anybody and everybody like oh we'll just take anybody it's gonna be great it's gonna be fine but then somewhere out of the mist comes this relatively large group of about 50 people that I've counted that are hyper reliable. Mm -hmm. Like you can call on somebody who's either getting their immortal or somebody who already is immortal, and you know they're gonna come correct. You know what right. tools, you know what tools to bring, the gear to bring, you know how to eat, how not to eat, where to stop, where to sleep, when to change, you know, what shoes to wear. When you when you're lucky. 
that sounds really weird. But when you have an, an immortal on your team, you almost know you don't have to worry about them at all, right? Right. And, and that's neat. And I learned this year, because part of the challenge of doing immortal is that initial planning phase. It sounds like you did yours last minute. Jenny did hers last minute too. Mine, I planned in December of 2019 and early January, 2020. So my first race was Miami, which is where I met you, correct? Correct. Yeah, Miami of 19. And then did I see you again in Georgia of 2021? Yeah. Yes. They blur together. So, <laughs> um, so the planning phase, registering for SoCal, registering for Rainier, registering for Bourbon, Texas, Richmond, West Virginia, not so much registering, but searching out the teams and making sure before I committed to a team, what the logistics were to the airport, price for tickets, rental car if I need one, or am I going to bum a ride from somebody? Is it the timing even going to work? Will there be time to hit the grocery store before you hit the mountain? All these high anxiety moving pieces just to do one travel Ragnar and to take on 12 it's really great to have that network of immortals to lean on who either, either been there or who know what what the moves are at that particular race. And, and I find that's really beneficial. And then, and I guess the planning stage, that's when I found that big community on Facebook of people either going after it or people who've already done it. Correct. And then yeah. you also have, so, Plus you have, like you said, the Facebook community and they will help you in the whole process too. Like when I was trying to get my last ones for 2019, I, like I said, in August, we were in the van and it was people either already immortal or it was the people that were going for immortal that year that we were working on. Okay. What races, what weekends can you do? And when I left that weekend, those people also, we started posting and there were a few other like immortals and they were the ones that were pushing like, oh, hey, you know, I got this point of contact. Let me hook you up. They're running this race. They're missing runners. So it was a Facebook community and it was, like you said, immortals that were hooking me up with other people and other connections to get my races. And by the next weekend, I had all my races lined up to get my immortal for 2019. So it took a week. What did it feel like around nine, 10 and 11 in your first year? Like, was there a huge ramp up of excitement? Was there a sense of accomplishment as you're approaching it? I mean, I know how I feel right now. I have my, I just finished my 10th race, but my 11th medal. I'm not going to go into the whole, whole overlapping of how last year was, but I'm, I got the last medal before I get the immortal medal and that one hit differently. How did you yeah. feel in the last two to three races? So there's always, as you're doing them, you're always like, I, I guess for me, like you're really excited to go running and you get there and you're kind of like, oh my gosh, I'm that much closer. Um, so you're very excited about that, but then you're also, I guess on my side as well, I'm also like super careful or super worried because you're worried about injuries or you're worried about 
oh, I'm so close. Like, is there anything going to prevent me from getting that immortal? Um, and like in 2019, you know, I did, I had Arizona trail. I ended up getting stitches in my hand, um, you know, cause I fell on the trail. Um, and I was just like, oh, it's not a problem. I have like, I had two more races. I had, uh, the Chattanooga to Nashville, and then I had Alafaya. But I mean, I finished my whole Arizona trail. <laughs> it was my last run that I fell and then ran with my hand in stitches the next, uh, like, it was like a week, a week. It was like two weeks later um, in Tennessee. Actually, no, it was a week later in Tennessee. And then um, I had like two weeks off and then I ran Immortal. And the same thing happened in Northwest Passage with this year. I had my first ever. I've never broken a bone. And I fractured my shoulder. And so I just switched up my game and decided, okay, I had one trail, which was Mount Rainier, which was extremely rough because you have no arm strength to pull yourself up, let alone a mountain. And so I was like, for the rest of my races to immortal, I'm just not going to make any of them trails. I'm going to do all road until my final one, which is Alafaya, which is a trail. And it, it's a matter of just kind of playing it smart. And um, I know there's other immortals out there now. And, you know, if you can like find ways to, if you do happen to get hurt, you got, you do have to give yourself a little recoup time. But you, you know, and it might have to be that you have to switch up, you know, a trail for a road or, or something. So it, it's scary because there's always that chance you can hurt yourself and lose your whole, everything you worked hard for. Yeah, that, that is scary. Um, not a ton of people know this out in, inside the immortal group or whatever, because I just really haven't put it out there, but I, uh. I have slight tears in both my meniscus that happened right after Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And I've had to wear knee braces through multiple races and injury is a scary thing. Cause by that point I was already paid up for almost all of them. I was already locked yeah. in, airfares were bought. It's, it's pretty sketchy. Um, let's see, share with me. Um, maybe over the course of a minute, I have to keep this short, but what would you say was the top challenge of this year so far? Something this that you were like surprised. This year was definitely uh, Mount Rainier. It was, that was a beast, especially coming from Florida. Florida's like, we call it flatland, <laughs> flatlanders, because we don't really have hills. We run bridges for hills and going to Mount Rainier. I mean, it says itself, it's a mountain. And then to have the fact that I was only about a month or so into having fractured my shoulder, um, I wasn't to the point where I had close to full arm strength. Um, so, and I always do my red loops, which the red loops are essentially the hardest one normally. Um, and I, I like to do them at night. So I was already set to do that at night. Um, if I had seen what I was doing essentially at night um, prior, like if I'd seen pictures or just knew the course, 
I probably would have freaked out, <laughs> but luckily I saw what I did. And then I had a lot, like we said, I had a lot of like immortals and I had some of the people from Ragnar staff just because I've immortal before and knew these people that they were telling me, okay, like this mile, watch out for this. Um, you know, this is like, like you're gonna have massive hill. You're gonna have massive, you know, downslope where you're gonna have, it's gonna be slippery. But when I went out there, I was a little more prepared than maybe some of the other runners were. Um, and that was mainly because they did know I had a fractured shoulder. Yeah, that's scary. The um, Rainier was, was a tough one for me, too. Um, I got very, very sick. And it turns out, I realized after the fact, I got altitude sickness. Mm. Who knows why? Who knows how? My first loop was the yellow, which was a four and a half mile sustained climb up about 2,500 feet. Um, I just didn't treat my body right going into that race. I wasn't as prepared because Colorado wasn't as bad as that for me. But I was only able to complete the first lap, and then I had to bow out of the second one, and I was still sick in time for the third one. But I didn't realize I had altitude sickness. Mm -hmm. That's a that's for another story, though. Let's see. Um, what would be um, your your top key piece of advice you would give somebody who's considering a more? I would definitely say that if you don't have a spouse or a, somebody that can give you companion fares or some kind of airline, um, definitely sign up for miles and try to uh, use those to your advantage because that is key when you're like chasing immortal or working towards your immortal. And um, if you can try to plan ahead because um, like we said, you can always get an injury. So um, you want to work around maybe being able to switch or alter races. So if you can't do trails or for some reason roads are harder for you, some people prefer trail over road. So just to line up and maybe always have a cushion where you can have maybe a 13 or 14 races. Cause if you can't and you can bow out of like one or two, that's always a good thing as well. To have a backup race. Nice. We have about four minutes left in my free zoom interview. Okay. Um, can you squeeze your favorite story from this year? Do you have a favorite story you could share? From this year? Um, or, or two years ago. Okay. I think my favorite story was um, probably my Cape Cod one when, so in Cape Cod, I jumped on a team and they didn't know me. I didn't know them. And they offered to pay for me um, to fly in basically to Boston and rent a car and to drive to them because they were all from like New York area and driving in the vans and going to a hotel. Well, because it was kind of last minute, I flew in, my flight got in like Nobody was answering their cell phones. Nobody was answering the door when I was knocking on the door. So finally, they had sent me a picture of a map and told me where the room was. And so I went back to the front desk and I was like, hey, do you happen to maybe have the key? Did they leave me one? And the guy looked at me for a second and then hands me a key. 
I go in the room, I'm being all quiet. I'm trying to organize my stuff, get cleaned up. I climb in the bed because there's essentially one space left in one of the beds. And I go to sleep and I kind of set my alarm for the next morning because I knew what time we were leaving. And I hear them kind of wake up and start getting ready, you know, slowly, like each one of them, I heard alarms. And then, and then I wake up and we're getting ready and they're like, hey, and they're talking to me and we get ready and we start going. And it took them probably at least two hours after everybody woke up to say, wait a minute, how did you get in the room last night? And so we all started laughing and I explained them and told them the whole story. And they were like, oh my God, like none of us woke up. None of us realized, like none of them realized I was in the room. They're like, so the joke became that, you know, I could have been an ax murderer and literally came in and killed them all. Uh And as we went through, they ended up being the nicest people. And, but that was a joke for like the entire race that it was a good thing. I didn't end up being an ax murderer and kill them all because like I said, they all slept through me coming in. None of them realized for like, at least about two hours that um they all introduced themselves and everything and nobody had ever let me in the room (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's a good one that's a good one all right cool i got 90 seconds left is there anything you think we missed anything we need to touch on because you're the first of the immortals i've had a chance to podcast no not really i could think of oh how about this then who would you say is a perfect candidate to go immortal? I think um, basically anybody who's crazy enough to put them through themselves through, uh, like you said, there's only like one race at the beginning. And normally that can be about February, March time. Um, and that's East or West Coast because they're normally the same weekend. And then you don't have anything again till about April. And then it kind of staggers like one about May, one about June, maybe July. And then about August, it starts to pick up. And you have all of them between August and, well, August to October. And then sometimes you have one in November and then like one in December. So anybody who's essentially crazy enough to, put their August through October life on hold and plan to run multiple Ragnars. Well, that's good. That's great advice. Uh, Sue, thanks for being on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Thank I you. I really for appreciate having it. Me. Mm-hmm. Let me hit stop.